It's a radical thing in today's culture for a young man to reject what the culture tells him will make him happy in favor of what God is showing him will truly make him happy. These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville, seminarians learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. Welcome to the Nashville Cation Podcast. My name is Tyler Starkey, and I have with me here James Grossheim, Seth Reed, and David Lee. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being with me. Today, we are going to be talking about relationships with women. Uh, very interesting topic. It's one that, uh, oddly enough, we have to think quite a bit about uh, in our line of work. It's true, because most of the parish staff you work with are going to be women. It's true. I mean, yeah. half of your congregation will yeah, be. Half, <laughs> <least>. <laughs> yeah. half of the congregation is going to be women. Yeah. And most of but, your daily mass crowd is yeah, uh, that's right, know, yeah. 80% women, too. So. But again, like the people you work closely with, your secretary is 99%, 99%. Probably, probably going to be a woman. I've always heard it's those little old ladies who pray the rosary in the morning that yep. they keep mm-hmm. the church from falling off its axis. So mm-hmm. we really, really need them. We also have a lot of people that end up having questions for us about uh, seminarians and women priests working with women or just having you know, any sort of relationship with women uh, in general. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, uh, especially wanted to talk on some of the more common questions that we get. So especially new guys who are coming into seminary or just thinking about seminary. It's a, it's a new kind of way of, of life. It's a new kind of way of living. Uh, so they had some some questions kind of moving from high school or working out in the world and, and going into the seminary itself. So some of the things that they asked, things like um, dating. So I, I will, I'll pose this one to you all. Uh, is dating allowed in seminary? Well, back in the 70s. <laughs> no, back, back, I did hear crazy stories. Oh, yeah, like back yeah. in the 60s and 70s. It was encouraged. They always had this uh, basketball tournament up at Mundelein mm-hmm. in Chicago. And I think this was back in the 70s. They would actually show up to the tournament with, the girlfriends. with girlfriends. Yep. And I was like, no. no. Yep. Oh, I mean, today, no. you know, it's, it's unthinkable. Crazy. Like you'd, you'd yeah. be at a seminary in a heartbeat. But. So, yeah, obviously today, no. no. You are in seminary to discern your vocation to the priesthood, not to marriage. You can think of your time in seminary as you're dating the church and discerning a vocation with the church. So if you were also dating a woman at that time, that'd be basically like dating two girls. Yep. You can't mm-hmm. discern both yeah. those things at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that, that we had always you know, talked about was there was some, um, there's something disingenuous about it. There's, there's something almost like cheating. You kind of mentioned mm-hmm. the idea of it's like dating two different girls. I mean, it's entirely true because you're not, the idea of <laughs> seminary is that it, it requires this whole person. It requires this complete dedication. And if you're splitting that, then you're not being honest with either one or both of the parties here. You know, you're, you're unable to give yourself entirely, and you can't discern that way. But I mean, if, if you're not allowed to, to date, you know, if, and you're kind of in this sequestered environment, you have to cut off all contact with all women. 
Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what you just have to do. Is no, how the church works. Delete it from your phone. No. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We're obviously joking. I mean, there is kind of a natural detachment that happens from going to the seminary. Because the reality yeah. is, every day in seminary, you're not coming across girls in your day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in college seminary, it's a little different than if you're in major major theology. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes a lot of our college seminarians will go to school with, with other girls. It's a co-ed kind of environment. Mm-hmm. But for me, pre-theology in, in New Orleans was completely disguise. And so one of the things actually was pretty shocking was coming back on your summer assignment when you come back to the diocese and you get back in the parish, you start seeing more women than normal. And that mm-hmm. was always kind of a, a shock, kind of adjustment change for me. Um, so I think seminary kind of naturally lends to that detachment, but you're obviously going to keep up those friendships you had before, before seminary too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too, and James can speak to this because we mm-hmm. both went to St. Joseph's, Joseph's or yeah. seminary college. But one of the ways it was explained to us, and I don't know necessarily that I agree with it now, but back then it made sense. Jesus had, who was his closest people? Peter, James, and John. That was his inner circle. Who was outside of that? The other 12 or whatever it is. What's, I'm bad at math, so whatever. The other guys. <laughs> and then outside of that was the 72. And then outside of that, that's where Mary Magdalene and Martha and the other Mary and the other women were. Hmm. So you never have as close friends women mm-hmm. or even in that outer group women or even in that outer group women. But having been in theology and, like David said, coming back to the diocese and interacting with, I don't think that's necessarily a good way to think about it. Because mm. in my opinion, one of the people you're going to rely on the most is going to be your secretary. And again, it's, she's probably, it's, they're probably going to be a woman. And like, I would think that relationship, they're going to be your friend too. Like they're going to be the one you probably confide in sometimes. And so that's going to be a very close relationship. Now, of course, priests, you have to toe the line of that relationship. Right. You have to have good boundaries and stuff like that. But she's going to be your friend. Mm-hmm. Or at least I would think that the priest would probably want her to be your, her, his friend. Yeah. And, and, and that's sometimes a, a difficult thing is, is I mean, we're, we're people. We need friends. Mm-hmm. We, we need friendship. And it's nice and it's, it's important for us, especially having those friendships with mm-hmm. priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're your, your brother priests, the people that you're going to be working in this ministry field with. But on the idea of friendship with women, it's going to come up in, unless you're just trying to keep every you know, woman you kind of come across at arm's length, which is not healthy. No. It is no. not okay. How do you approach good, holy friendships with women? I know for, for me, um, I have a, a very good friend who's a woman. Um, we, we get along great. We, we still visit with each other. Um, we, we really do you know, get along. She's, she's one of my best friends. But for us, we've definitely realized that a good, healthy friendship especially needs to have that good Christian foundation, mm-hmm. like a good Christian mm-hmm. understanding of, you know, why are we friends? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? We're working together for, for you know, something. You know, we're, we're all part of this, this church, this group, you know, striving for holiness. And I, I think that just like any other friendship, you need that, that foundation of just wanting to be, wanting to be holy mm-hmm. and that idea of, of love, of loving the other person for their own good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, a, a good litmus test for me too is, Whose needs are being met in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Is it my needs or the other person's needs? Right. And if you're primarily in there to feel, you know, self-gratified, uh, to feel, you know, like you're you're getting more than you're than you're giving, I think that it could be a dangerous line because you're, especially with women, you, you do have to be mm-hmm. aware of like this emotional intimacy can very easily lead to this kind of physical attraction. Yep. And so you're kind of, I'm always kind of testing 
my own motives and intentions and, and asking the Lord to, to purify my desires, purify my heart, and to help me to see women as he sees women in an appropriate uh, way in which we're going to be living out this this chase celibacy. So, Yeah, I, th- I think both of which are hitting at is just proper boundaries. Mm-hmm. You have to have proper boundaries with everybody. We have to have proper boundaries with ourselves. And again, it's it's even more important to have proper proper boundaries with the women who you consider your friends or who consider you friends because you don't want to have a, that friendship and then start going, oh, you know, I could go hang out with my brother priest, but, you know, today I'm going to go see this particular woman. Because right, it's okay because my, it's my ministry. It's right. I'm making yeah, exactly. her holy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we're right. going to be saints together. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, yeah. So you can end up in trouble really easily. Exactly. So. One, one of those very simple, I mean, this is, this is foundational uh, boundaries is, is we both have to have a the same understanding of what this friendship is, that okay, and, and what our roles are um, in the church and in our friendships. Like I'm a seminarian, we have to be on the same page about our boundaries in that relationship, in that friendship. You know, I think sem- seminary is a good time to learn this process because one of the, the strange things I've experienced in seminary is you before you go into seminary, you interact with women in a particular way. Mm-hmm. You're like okay. Oh, yeah. I'm open to a relationship, you know, maybe I can be a little more flirtatious. And then oh, yeah. you yeah, go into yeah. seminary, and then a lot of times it's, you know, not until once you become a priest that you're back out in the world full time, and you're like, okay, I know I can't, you know, interact the way I did with the women mm-hmm. before seminary, but how do I actually do this uh, as a priest or as a seminarian? And you, and you start second guessing yourself too. Yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I made this joke. Was that? Should yeah. I not make a joke? <laughs> like, can I say that? Can I say I that? Say is that, that okay? I would have said it with my brothers, but I, can I say it with her? I don't know. Is that okay? And I think a lot of the seminarians, you 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 see saints and examples of these holy friendships. You know, like between John Paul II and I think get a close friend who was a woman. And then you a lot of seminarians read in this book about Saint Teresa of Lisieux and her letters back and forth with Maurice, who was this other French seminarian. And so we hold these ideals of like, okay, like this is what I want my relationships to be like. But the reality is we're still very far away yeah. from that yeah. level of sanctity and that emotional maturity a lot of the times. So even though we had these ideals, we had to realistically be, okay, yeah. here I am here now. Okay, maybe I can get to that one day, but there might be some adjustment process in between. Yeah. So. I'm not St. Fra- Francis, and she's not right. St. Clair. <laughs> there you go. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, you want to you try to avoid that, that kind of feeling. Yes. And, and but I think James was right. Like having this this understanding, like I am a seminarian now. That's important I mean, for me, especially. Like, if I'm if I'm out, especially with someone who's uh, you know, one of my friends who's a who's a woman. If we're going out for lunch or something, I make sure. Just for me personally, one of the things I do, I make sure I'm I'm in clerics. You know, I'm I'm wearing my mm-hmm. collar. I'm out mm-hmm. in public. You know, it's for my for me my my assumption always was it is better for me to be out at lunch with a woman in my clerics than to be in you know street clothes. And someone who knows me sees me, you know, not in my clerics. <laughs> but it, it was always it's it's the better view. Uh, but that's I don't know. It, it it always feels like there's a little bit more of I don't know precautions, a little bit more stuff that we have to to kind of do uh, another hurdle or two that that has to be jumped uh, having uh, friendships, especially as a seminarian mm-hmm. um, with women. It feels like there's there's just a few more hurdles that kind of have to be jumped mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, the other thing that I like to keep in mind, too, is we're all, on a basic level as men, we have this natural call to marriage. Yes. And so it's going to be easy to be attracted to women and to, you know, want to hang out around them and to, uh, obviously, to be fathers is a desire in our hearts. And as seminarians, we're discerning the supernatural call that we think God is giving us to uh, kind of forego this natural desire for marriage and to serve men in a unique and special way. 
And so that natural desire doesn't go away just because you enter seminary. Mm -hmm. yeah. What you're asking is, do I have that supernatural grace to live celibacy well, to live as a single chaste man? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we're trying to figure out as, as seminarians. And that can sometimes be difficult, especially if you're working in a parish and you're outside of the seminary. You know, we come home for the summers. We're doing various ministerial work. We're doing stuff in the diocese with people. It's one of those those things like if you're back in your diocese and you meet a a very you know cute girl who's around your age, she prays all the time. She's at daily mass, very holy. Uh, I mean, you get it's very easy to start thinking like, oh, do I have a do I have a crush on this person? You know, and then not to mention the reverse side of that. You've got women who are going to see you, this holy man who deeply loves God and is someone who really cares about them, and they might start developing feelings, you know, for you. So how do you navigate those waters? If you think like, maybe I'm developing a crush on someone, maybe I'm, I'm starting to really like this person, or I find myself going out of my way to be near them or, or around them. Kind of navigate that. How do you think? We actually had a class on this at St. Minor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we had, a whole we, semester. Well, not a whole class. We have this thing called J-Term where you, uh, where we have like a week period before classes. It's mm -hmm. actually a two-week period before classes actually start. Oh, cool. And we just talked about celibacy. And so in the celibacy talk, uh, Brother John Mark, who gave us this talk slash class, he was kind of like, you have to have a reason to be celibate. You have to have a reason. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, get married. That's what he said, basically. Like, you have to want to give your life to Christ. You have to want to have Christ as your intimate friend and lover. It's kind of weird to say as a man, but it's true. You have to have reasons to be celibate. If you don't have those reasons, then, yeah, when if you find a woman attractive and you get a crush on her or she gets a crush on you, you're right. probably going to try and to it, pursue And it's bound that. to happen. Like, priests and seminarians will tell you, like, yeah. sometime throughout your formation or sometimes gonna a priest, in love. you yeah, are yeah. going to start feeling attracted to women. Yeah. So it's yeah. not... And if it's a win, yeah. yeah, and then it becomes okay. Is my life rooted in prayer mm -hmm. to the point that I know I'm the Lord's and the Lord's mine, and I have this confidence in our identity, uh, in our relationship that that I can, you know, persevere through this yep. this mm -hmm. kind of phase of my life because it's it's bound to happen. And I guess it depends too how how strong the how strong the emotions are. Like, is it just like, oh, you know, I think she's pretty and I kind of like her, or is it like, I think I'm I'm starting to change my schedule so that I get to see her. Yeah. Or, she, or I'm noticing that she's starting to change her schedule so that she gets to see me, yep. and she's always inviting me out to go to breakfast after yep. mass or whatever. Like it's 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 the different levels of relationship there that like how strong is the attraction? If it's just like oh I think she's cute or whatever, or I know that she kind of likes me, back off just a little bit, don't spend as much time, and you know go about your day. Right. Where if it's deeper, then it's, then you got to change a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the reality is, in your ministry as a priest, like women are going to come to you with very intimate and yes. deep right. parts of their, you know, sometimes there's a lot of marital troubles mm -hmm. or problems with their kids, and so they're very vulnerable in those moments. And obviously, as uh, as men as protectors, you're going to want to you want to help them and do the mm -hmm. best for them. But then you have to also realize that okay, there's there's certain things that here would be appropriate to do, inappropriate to do, and yeah. kind of discern or how do I best help this person without becoming emotionally attached to this person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and feeding my own needs for intimacy in those moments as opposed to, to serving the other person. Yeah, there's there's definitely a an idea of like the spousal relationship between the priest and the church. I and mean, we talk about it you know, often of, of you know, the church is, as the bride of the priest. You know, and you really kind of have to act that way when you're when you're interacting with people, because even in a married you know, relationship or any other relationship, you might find yourself at some point attracted to some other some other woman or finding yourself you know getting kind of close to someone. And you kind of have to take those same steps of 
is this healthy for my marriage? Is this healthy for me? Is this is this 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 is I think is leading towards a bad place. And so, in a way, for the the priest or the married man, you you kind of have to do the the same kind of questions and and wondering and yeah. uh, protection. Yeah. I think a good litmus test too is. <laughs> Think of yourself as a married man. Like, oh, yeah. okay, if I have oh, a yeah. wife and I'm spending all this time with this particular woman, mm-hmm. how would my wife feel about that? And mm-hmm. they go, well, I'm a priest. My wife is the church. How's the church going to feel about this if I'm spending all this time with her and not my my children, my spiritual children? Yeah. And as a seminarian, it's kind of the same thing. Like, we're not priests yet, but you can still do the litmus test of, you know, if I was married and I kind of am starting to be married because we're all candidates in this room right now. Yep. Like, how does the church feel about this? How would my actual how would a wife feel about this if I'm spending all this time with this particular woman? Oh, absolutely. I was pretty jealous and pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> so what are your all's personal experiences with kind of navigating these waters? You know, I think we all, we all have some friends or close friends who are, who are women. Um, how are, how are your own personal experiences in navigating this? We're talking pre or uh, post center to seminary. Well, let's let's start with let's start with pre, and then we can go to post. Yeah, let's start with like before you entered seminary. Maybe you were still kind of a discerning man. Maybe you were just still trying to fall in love with your faith. Like, how, how were your own relationships with women kind of before seminary, and then how did that change after going into it? Yeah, for me, I, I think my first serious relationship was I dated a girl in high school for three years, mm-hmm. and we had met on a mission trip, and you know started off great, and but then it, it turned into very. Uh, kind of physical and impure relationship, and I know I need to get out of it. And the Lord gave me some uh, the grace I need and the courage to to change course, and I did. Uh, and then the next major relationship was in college, and this one I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this right. We're gonna be focused on the Lord. It's gonna be uh, a Christian relationship, and we're gonna be discerning marriage in a intentional way. And that one lasted about a year, and and went really well, and ended in a much more peaceful. And actually, we actually discerned. Married in this yeah. case, like okay, like Lord, what are you what are you asking of us, and uh, where are you calling us to be? Uh, and then for me, finally, the last major one was actually the one that pushed me into seminary. I was talking to this uh, the square that I knew through this uh, teaching program that I was doing, and I'd already been thinking about seminary for a couple of years, and I had this kind of internal wrestling with myself and with the Lord, and really felt. Uh, attracted this this girl and she was uh, really fe- yeah really felt attracted to this girl and potentially called a dater but also was wrestling with this this desire for the priest and at the end of the day I realized I can't date this girl in good conscience until I first go to seminary and so from that moment on I kind of said okay all right Lord I'll I'll give seminary a try and and if it doesn't work out then then maybe I'll come back to this so that was my experience pre seminary. I was a pretty bad Catholic, so. (laughs) (laughs) Say it isn't so, Seth. Say it isn't so. I had a serious relationship with a girl for several years. It was not very healthy. Uh, And like with David, it was was what you would imagine it would be for somebody who was not very strong in their faith. So how's that that kind of... How's your views kind of changed after after seminary formation and, and kind of where you are? Putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> <laughs> Open up your heart, Seth. Let's see it. You know, it was. I was still. I wasn't in that mind space when I first went to seminary, but yeah. it was. It was hard because that's what formation does. It starts to take those edges off, and it was a struggle to change how I saw women. 
from, you know, this is somebody who I find attractive and this is somebody who I see as a potential mate or whatever. I don't know what the potential mate. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> the potential a partner. Potential yeah. partner, yeah. Well. Wife. Well. No. Uh, just mate. Mate, yeah. Really just mate. Okay. Right. But as seminary went along, I mean, within the first year, it was like, because St. Joseph's, they hammer home human formation. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you, like, and you know yourself, like, I'm a seminarian, I can't think this way anymore. So it was that process of changing how I thought about women, how I saw women, and going, okay, I can't see this person as a potential partner. I have to see them as a sister in Christ yeah. and mm-hmm. start to even change that from sister to daughter mm-hmm. in Christ because yeah. future priest. Yeah. yeah. For me, I, uh, yeah, the two years before I, I, uh, I entered seminary, I started dating this girl that I met at a Steubenville conference, actually. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was wonderful and, and actually really beautiful in a lot of ways. Um, the main problem with that relationship was that we were both, like I, I had I had been thinking about uh, seminary for already, and she she was thinking about religious life, and uh, we would we would even like exchange discernment advice we had heard at some <laughs> some conference or something. We'd, oh oh I heard this really oh wow that's really good I'm gonna use that. Uh, wow. But uh, yeah, I mean that was the main the main problem, and uh, you know we couldn't discern uh, in that yeah. relationship. It was beautiful in a lot of ways, and we talked about marriage a lot. Uh, but but eventually it had to end because 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 of those discernments that were unresolved for priesthood and religious life. Mm. Mine's kind of similar. I had uh, I had you know before seminary I did not always have the best of relationships. Uh, I mean I wasn't really, I wasn't Catholic, uh, and I I, you know, I I found my faith and started really learning what the church talked about and still really didn't get it. Um, I tried some relationships after I was Catholic, um, went to seminary for four years and then stepped away from formation for a bit. And in that time after I stepped away, I met a lovely young woman. She had discerned for a while for religious life. I was a former seminarian. We met at a pro-life holy hour uh, during the March for Life. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, it was great. Checking all the boxes. Right oh, there. yeah. I mean, I mean, just absolutely just everything I could have, I, I could have been looking for. Uh, and we started dating and we, we dated, we did everything right. I mean, that was the best thing. You know, my relationships in the past had, had not been these, these pure relationships that they should have been, but I was so proud. Even now I'm so proud of that relationship. Cause it's like we dated for about a year and a half. We did everything right. We, we discerned well. Um, I felt like we, we had discerned marriage properly and we got, rather close to this idea of, no, let's, let's just get married. And it was in that discernment, it was in that relationship that we realized that the Lord was calling us to something and it wasn't each other. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. was being called to uh, discern with the religious life more. And I was being called to go back to seminary. So uh, we broke up uh, amicably and we've remained really good friends uh, since then. So uh, I, I can, I can only say that, that, while my relationship with the women have definitely changed after seminary, and now I'm, you know, I'm back in, I'm, they're still changing. Um, mm-hmm. They're definitely changing for the better. I, I, I have much better relationships with women now, yes. I think, than I had before mm-hmm. I went in. I'm gonna put James on the spot, but <laughs> oh, yeah. this uh, girl who, uh, she went to go discern the, the Carmelites, right? 
Um, I don't know what religious community. When we broke up, she didn't have a religious community okay. in mind. Well, I think he, me and James, when his first year at St. Joseph's, he was he, he was there my last year, and so he told the story. And so it, we just every time we would see James, we would go, "Hey, how's your Carmelite girlfriend doing?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, you know she's okay. You know she's doing, she's discerning well." <laughs> oh my goodness. That's great. So now I get to ask you the same thing, <laughs> oh, Tyler. She, she's very good. She actually just recently uh, discerned out. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So uh, she's she's now trying to figure out, and, and that's one of the beautiful things is that now she's still trying to figure out. She doesn't know if she's left the idea of religious or uh, mm-hmm. religious life entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still trying to to pray about it, but um, she's she's definitely I mean, for me. It's, it's one of the the wonderful things about having. You know, relationships with women you know in seminary we have relationship with tons of guys and, and we all have like that guy way of thinking and we all think kind of similarly and you can have these great relationships but when it comes to having a friendship with with women they, they definitely see things differently mm-hmm. they definitely they react to things differently they understand things differently and so her discerning out and then what she's going to do now and how she's doing is is really inspiring for me it's really great for me to see as just how she's she's handling that and then what she's doing and still that that devotion of herself to something else so she's doing great yeah i mean that's that's important too. something just to touch on something that you just said is that god did create us man and woman so it is good for us to have Mm -hmm. women in our lives because they do think they do see things differently and again going back like to the secretary thing i mean it doesn't have to be your secretary but just you may have a problem, like in marriage counseling, like you don't know what the woman's going to think because you're not a woman. Yeah. We don't think how they think. Yeah. So to have a close friend who you'd go to, the, hey, like I'm in this, I got these couple and he's talking about this and I understand his perspective, but hers, I don't, can you, can you help me with this? Because right. I don't yeah. really understand. Mm-hmm. One thing I heard uh, a priest mention once uh, when asked about like relationships with women is he said that whenever he like goes into the office like the ladies in the in the parish office, they still compliment his masculinity. Their femininity still compliments his masculinity. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, even though it's not, I mean, it's not a romantic kind of relationship at all. Yeah. But the, but there's still that complementarity there between the male and the female, even for the even for the celibate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it is really good, you know, seeing these these relationships because I know a lot of priests that that end up with. Um, women that they're they're you know, somewhat close to in like the office or if they're in a school or something and and it really helps because i see them very often they'll they'll go up to them and just like I, I need advice on this or mm-hmm. i need to talk to you about yeah. this because it's just something that i'm not familiar and i need to do something and i think that's a that's a great thing for a priest to be able to recognize that someone might be able to see something in a little bit of a different light than he does and, mm-hmm. and really be able to open up and, and ask about that um it's 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 just important to have. So last thing to kind of talk about here, we've, we've talked about kind of our relationships, kind of like as we're in seminary, the ones kind of beforehand, one of the things that we're going to be doing a lot of um, after being ordained is working with women, mm-hmm. uh, especially you, know, you talk about them in the office, we're going to be ministering to them. Um, and so how does it look for you, your relationships with working with women uh, interacting with them, especially on a daily basis, and still living out your your priestly celibacy, um, and and having good relationships with women, like 
So, for instance, I, I know a priest who was speaking once to us about priests do very different things when they can sometimes and when they interact with women, people who aren't as well formed or, or maybe they're they're still a little nervous about interacting with women and it can manifest in different ways. So <laughs> you'll see that in seminary, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, some guys are uh, terrified of speaking with women. Oh, yeah. So yeah. what? So this priest said that you, you either end up kind of bitter towards them or you end up eccentric. <laughs> like you either you either kind of bitter and you kind of keep them at arm's length, or you're just a little crazy enough that y- you you keep that separation that mm-hmm. way. So so how is it that you have so so how do you think that that you can kind of imagine from what you've you've learned, from what you've experienced, and having those good relationships and keeping those healthy boundaries, especially with the women that you're going to be working with uh, in the ministries and in your churches. I, mean, I think the first thing is just to treat him like another person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the shocker. That, that's the first thing. Revolutionary. Because, I mean, we're all people, so don't treat them any differently than you would treat yeah. anybody else. The dynamics a little different too, in terms of running a parish. Parish office is mm-hmm. different than normal business. Like, so in one way, they're going to see you as you know the boss and the, the leader of the company, but you're mm-hmm. also a spiritual father mm-hmm. to these these people yeah. as well. And so you're not only concerned. For how well is you know what are the numbers of the parish looking like? We're also concerned about the welfare of their soul, and so I know several priests who you know encourage them to go to daily mass and adoration, and you know make sure they're getting spit, uh, make sure they're getting fed spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, and pouring into them in that way. And also, I think when you keep your parish staff on a on a common mission oriented, all right, we're here for mm-hmm. the salvation of souls. Like when you're working towards uh, a common goal and you're united in that purpose, I think the um, the personal relationship aspect of it will yeah. will naturally kind of find the right calibration and balance between okay, these are our individual relationships as people, but also we're on a mission as a parish to evangelize and to lead people to Christ. Yep. And I think that's a good point too. Is as the priest, yes, you you are the pastor. You are the one mainly in charge of the salvation of souls for that. Well, you're not in charge of salvation of souls. Jesus is ultimately, yes. but you know what I mean. Coworker, yeah. Coworker. You're coworker with Jesus. You and Jesus are. You can't see me, We're but like I'm this, holding my man. finger right cl- close together. We're like this. But then to, to remind the parish staff that they also too are they are also too part of this mission to help save the souls within this parish boundary. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough for a lot of times in their roles when you get caught in the day to day. Yeah especially the parish secretary and the finance director, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's easy to get, get lost in, okay, this is this is my kind of secular worldly task, but how do I do this for the salvation of souls? I've got all these numbers to look at every day. How's this saving souls? Yeah. It is, but it's, it's hard to find where, how it is, but it is. So for each of us, I mean, do you have any advice to maybe a, uh, a young man who's discerning the idea of going to seminary? Um, and might be a little bit nervous about how his relationship with uh, with women might change in regards to oh, I'm, I'm going to this, you know, everything's changing. Like, so what, did, what advice might you have for someone who's thinking about uh, seminary, especially in, in regards to his relationship with women? Yeah, I know for me, at least one of my fears was, you know, because I'm, I'm giving up this emotional intimacy and physical intimacy with mm-hmm. a wife by you know, entering a seminary and wanting to become a priest. One of my fears is, okay, can I be fulfilled and happy and um, at peace with my decision? And I've come to realize that the Lord and his goodness and his grace will will give you all that you need, will give you the support system, will give you the friends, will give you the mentors, and the ministry itself will, too, fill you up and mm-hmm. will provide. And, yes, yeah, so my advice to 
maybe an aspiring seminarian will be to trust the Lord, trust that in his plans for you, and trust that he'll give you all the graces that you need in order to live this celibacy really well. I think as, as, as Seth uh, mentioned earlier, it can be helpful as you're beginning to, to discern, beginning to talk to the vocations office and, and these kinds of things, uh, to start, start thinking of the women in your life, uh, the friends that you have who are, who are women, uh, start to think them, of them as sisters in Christ. Um, because, I mean, you're, you're living in the world, you're, li- you're thinking as men think, and you're thinking of, of women as potential mates still. Uh, very likely, and so. I love that to, word. Yeah. <laughs> potential wife, wife yes. material. Potential yeah. wife, yeah. and so, uh, thinking, start changing that thinking into. Okay, their spiritual sister. How is their soul? How is how are they doing? Uh, I think that's that's the beginning of the, of the, of the way of thinking, the change in thinking. Yep, kind of going off that practically. Don't be stupid. If you're yep, gonna exactly. if you're gonna start discerning, if you're thinking about seminary, then you know maybe uh, stop dating. That's one of the fa- ways to start discerning it. Yep. And if you're in a physical relationship with a girl, stop it. Yep. You should be living a chaste life. I mean, you're a Christian. You should be living a chaste life anyway. But you know, if you're gonna start discerning, you gotta definitely start living a chaste life. And also, just a little bit more, if you get to seminary. And say you do fall in love or you do have a crush on somebody, the most important thing is to, one, tell your spiritual director and to talk to your friends about it. Mm -hmm. Don't hold that in your heart Mm -hmm. and don't keep it to yourself because when you start having secrets, that's when things get really, really bad. Yeah, don't don't keep secrets (laughs) in seminary, man. That that stuff festers. It's it's not healthy. But I, I agree with that. You know, definitely, even if you're in seminary and you start developing feelings for someone or you start thinking that that you're... You're divine. That's like, oh, well, I have feelings for someone that that means I shouldn't be in seminary. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that can still happen just as a discerning guy. Like yeah. you're discerning. I remember when I was first discerning, meeting a, a young woman and being like, wow, she's amazing. You know, I could totally leave this for her. You know, mm-hmm. that, that would be something. But that that doesn't mean that, oh, I'm not called to this or I'm not called to do that. You know, it's it's still definitely the only way you're going to figure that out is that's a conversation between you and Jesus. And you need to, to pray and live uh as a good Christian man, and you'll get it figured out. One thing I heard one time was uh, God may ask you to leave seminary to, to, to marry for marriage in general. God will not ask you to leave seminary to marry this woman. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like when the woman yes. of your dream shows up your first year of seminary, God does not want you to leave seminary and marry her. That's a good way to to think about it. Yeah, he may he may he may after discerning the priesthood, having a thorough, uh, fruitful discernment, you discern God is not calling me to the priesthood. Then you can go and and explore marriage. But he is not asking you to leave for this particular woman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now our last thing before we before we end this, what advice would you have for? women interacting with seminarians. Well, I mean, if, if you could give a, a simple piece of advice for, for women interacting with seminarians, interacting with priests, or, or anyone who's even just discerning, what would you say? For all of our, our women listeners who are going to be listening to this. <laughs> Stay <Uh-oh>. away. <laughs> 
get behind me segment. No. And that's going to be cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what advice would you have? What, what, would you, what would you say to, to someone about how to have a good either working relationship or personal just relationship? You know, I think it just, just treat them like a person, but treat them kind of like a married person. Like, treat them as if they are your friend and they're married to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So treat them as you would your friends who are married. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best advice. Like, you can be friends with them. You can hang out with them. But at some point, it's like, okay, this person is already taken. And you mm-hmm. have that in the back of your mind. Because we have that in the back of our minds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to uh, to pray for the men who are discerning their vocations. And um, I think the women can be a great source of uh, prayer and emotional support for us, too. And men are always looking for, um, yeah, for something to, to lay their life down for. And so it's just seeing the, the men that they're, this is, they're discerning this call to lay down their life completely and totally for the Lord. And, yeah, to encourage them and support them in whatever ways they can. And if you are a woman listening to this and you're not a mother because your son wants to go to seminary, <laughs> you're a young woman who has not discerned a vocation, or you're an older woman, either way, start to pray about your vocation now. Like, ask God to help lead you where it is he wants you to go. Maybe he yeah. wants you to discern a religious life. Maybe he wants you to be married. Maybe he wants you to become a consecrated virgin. I don't know, but God knows. So start praying about it now. Oh, yeah. And ask your seminarians who you see throughout the diocese, Tyler Starkey, James Grossheim, David Lee, Seth Reed, so on and so forth. Ask them to pray for you when you see them and say, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Ask them to pray for you. My um, only real thing to, to add here is also just be patient. Be patient, especially when working with, with seminarians, especially in like new priests who are still learning how to navigate these waters. We don't get as much training on this as, as you would think. Though we do get quite a lot. It's, it's never enough to just, you, you just go into a parish and you figure it out. Mm-hmm. So have patience uh, with your clergy, with your seminarians as, as we um, yeah, still learn this. So, Especially the new seminarians and the new priests. Yeah. The, the, the new priests have been formed pretty well. But some of them may still be feel a little awkward. But the new seminarians have not been formed at all. Yeah, they, they are gonna brand. New. They are gonna be kind of stupid, and that's okay. But just you know, put kid, put kid gloves on when you when you when you deal with them, especially yep. if you work in the church, because then they may think like some seminarians. They may come from a household that's like, oh, the man is always the most important in society. The man is always important, and they may have a problem working with a woman. Just treat them with kids' gloves, and if you have to put them in their place, put them in their place. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid to put the seminarian yeah. in his place if he is stupid. Gentle, gentle <laughs> correction. <laughs> Correction's good. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Nash Vocations podcast. Have a great day, and God bless. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville. Shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM, and streaming at NashvilleCR.com. And streaming on the Nashville Catholic Radio app.